Hi, everyone, and welcome to Happy Hour at Bland. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Ashley. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we have a lot going on. Yeah. So before we get started, I have a question for you, Ashley. Are you down with PPP? Yeah, you know me. Yes. Well, I think that would be great. Fun. <laughs> yeah, no, but I really think it's a great program for these small businesses to keep their employees paid. So, yes, I am down with PPP. Awesome. <laughs> okay. I love it. On today, oh, okay, well, on today's episode, Kaylee's going to talk us through some accounting situations you might find yourself in as a result of COVID-19. Yes, so many organizations, and I was actually trying to think before the podcast episode today, if I could think of any one business I know of that has not been impacted by COVID-19, and I can't. Ashley, can you think of any? No, really, I can't. Yeah, so anywho, um, because of all of these financial changes that people are experiencing, there's a lot of new accounting situations that are happening and people just aren't sure how to record those those circumstances or those changes into their financials. And so we thought we would talk a little bit about that today and maybe answer some of our listeners' questions. Absolutely. Well, first, before we get started, let's get to our quote, Kaylee, because every episode okay. we do a quote. So you have one for us today? I do. Yeah. And I felt like it was really timely, like for myself personally, but I'm sure I'm not the only one feeling this way that things have just been overwhelming as of late, not only in my professional life, personally, I mean, it's just a lot going on. You know, there's all those memes and everything like 2020, what's next? Oh my gosh. Like July, just be good to us. And uh, so anyway, so the quote I found was, Sometimes we're tested not to show our weaknesses, but to discover our strengths. And I believe that was anonymous. I guess I omitted the author in my notes. (laughs) Someone can get credit. Yes, yes. You can just Google it. So anyway, so sometimes we're tested not to show our weaknesses, but to discover our strengths. And I think it's so easy to just get bogged down in a busy week or the stresses of, your life and what's going on. But, but if you take a step back and remind yourself that it's your mindset and how you view the situation, hopefully that at least relieves some of the pressure that you're putting on yourself and improves your outlook. And, you know, we can't always change our circumstances, but we can change our reaction to those circumstances. And, and so I just, I thought that was good and something that I think I need to do a better job of reminding myself about. For sure. Um, I think that's true. Just taking the time to look at one thing on your list, getting that accomplished, moving to the next kind of just helps us stay focused and not feel so bogged down, especially in the days of now working, you know, remotely. Um, I've become, I've always been a to-do list girl, but mm-hmm. actually like if you look at the whole to-do list and then just picking out the top three things that need to be done, it helps you feel more accomplished getting, you know, one thing, move to the next, the next thing done, moving to the next, instead of looking at it as one big whole to-do list. So Mm -hmm. as I mentioned earlier, we're talking about some of the accounting situations our listeners might be dealing with as a result of COVID. So do you want, what do you want to tell us about first? Yeah. So I thought first we would talk about accounting for PPP funds, because that is probably the most prevalent thing that our listeners are dealing with. Time out, time out. 
I think we should preface what PPP is. Yes, not just our, <laughs> our revised rap song that we made up. <laughs> PPP stands for Paycheck Protection Program. And anyone that has a friend that's an accountant knows we love acronyms so much. And so PPP is Paycheck Protection Program. Sounds good, Kaylee. So for our listeners, you will likely remember we had Jamie Brewer on here. She was our PPP expert. I think it was two episodes ago. Mm -hmm. Um, so she provided some background on the paycheck protection program and applying for forgiveness. We recommend that you do go back and listen to the episode if you have any questions about the program or forgiveness. Yes, I would definitely second that. The Small Business Administration, the SBA, just recently released additional guidance as well. So things are constantly evolving with the PPP and Bland has a great COVID-19 resource page that Ashley is in charge of diligently Mm-hmm. updating as soon as these as these changes are released and so i would recommend visiting that page frequently um hopefully what we share with you today we're talking about accounting so nothing in this episode should really be outdated but just in terms of the ppp's um the program and forgiveness there's just it's constantly evolving and so there are a lot of changes But like I talked about we're going to talk about how to account for the ppp funds and today i'm going to talk as best I can in layman's terms, um, I know not everyone's an accountant and sometimes you have different ways of referring to things. And so I will um, try my best to, to explain it in that way. Um, but I would say if you have questions, don't hesitate to reach out. You can contact me and we can look at your specific set of circumstances and really figure out what the best approach will be. So with the PPP funds that were received, this is a kind of a unique situation for some organizations because these funds were advanced and there's uncertainty as to whether you're going to have to pay them back. And hopefully the loans will be forgiven if you incur the expenses that are allowable and that qualify towards that forgiveness, you won't have to pay the funds back. Um, but others may have just taken the loan to hedge their their shortfall of cash and they they will pay it back and they want to. And so that's where I would start is if you plan on paying the PPP funds back, then you would just treat the receipt of that cash and then the subsequent payment as just a normal loan, just like any other business loan that your organization takes out. I think that is the minority of people. I think most people are planning on forgiveness. So if you do plan to have the loan be forgiven, then, and I kind of think of this in a flow chart, and in fact, I made a flow chart for our staff at the firm is, um, so we have the one side of the flow chart where if you're going to just repay the loan, you just treat it as normal debt. Now we're on the other side of the flow chart where you plan on having the loan forgiven, then there's kind of a fork in the road. Are you a not-for-profit or are you a for-profit? So we'll, we'll go on the not-for-profit path for just a second. So for the not-for-profit organizations, the receipt of these funds is actually similar to some of the transactions they they have regularly, which are grants from the government, whether it be the federal or the state. Uh, many nonprofits receive grants, and those grants have stipulations about how that money is supposed to be spent. So an organization might receive a grant from, let's see, um, HHS, and it's for... Um, 
a program about diabetes awareness and they need to spend that money on all these different things related to diabetes awareness. So they're used to having these, these restrictions with their funding and making sure that they're spending the money the way they're supposed to. So in that situation, uh, how the accounting works is the grants that they receive are considered contributions most of the time. So just like a contribution, a donation um, that you or I might make to them, this is, a, this is a donation to them, but again, it has these stipulations attached to it. And so how a not-for-profit would recognize recognize that situation is they will record the contribution revenue once the conditions of release, release have been substantially met or waived. And so uh, what, what they would do is the cash is coming in before you've done anything for everybody. The cash has come in before you've done anything, before you've spent the money. And so when that cash first comes in, you will record that cash receipt as a liability. And this is similar to deferred revenue or refundable advance. So you have a liability on your balance sheet because you've received this cash, but you have not earned it yet. Then as you incur the qualifying expenses, you can move that liability over to the income statement as revenue. And there's some gray area here. Uh, there's actually a new accounting standard out there for not-for-profits that provides a little bit of additional guidance here. And like I said earlier, I'm not gonna go too deep into the accounting um, guidance. I'm gonna try and keep it at the layman's terms here, but um, so you, you will figure out if you have incurred the qualifying expenses. The other, the other side of that would be um, when the loan has been forgiven. And so um, those would be the two things that you'd want to analyze when you move that liability over to income. And the thing to keep in mind for everybody is um, if all this happens within your fiscal year, then you really won't have an issue because it's all going to just be on the income statement by the time your year end rolls around. The only, the only time it's really going to be an issue is if you have, let's say, uh, a June 30 year end and if you've received your PPP funds and maybe you haven't spent them all yet, then at June 30, if you're going to need to do evaluation of whether you need a liability on your balance sheet to represent some of those PPP funds that have not been spent yet, the way that you were supposed to spend them. So that so that's all for the not-for-profit. Do you want to Correct. tell us more about the for-profit entities? Yes, yeah. And so again, I'll start out with if there's any uncertainty about the loan being forgiven, then it's just best to account for those PPP funds consistent with accounting for all your other debt obligations where you'll accrue interest and then subsequently make the payment. If there's likelihood that the loan will be forgiven, which again is probably what the vast majority of people are intending, you would record that cash inflow from the loan, again, as a liability. So just like we talked about before, you haven't earned that revenue yet. And so you need to reflect that, that cash receipt as a liability on the balance sheet. And then the liability will be adjusted to income as you incur the costs related to the PPP, um, the program. And so again, very similar to not-for-profits, but a little bit different in terms of maybe documentation on your end is as you're incurring that payroll expense, you are debiting that liability and you're crediting income. And, uh, and so again, 
I, this really only impacts when you kind of come to an end of an accounting period. So I would recommend making these adjustments at the end of the month, or you can even wait until the end of your fiscal year to kind of get this all settled up. And for not-for-profits, they're going to show the receipt of the PPP funds as a contribution. They'll probably break it out as a separate line item anyway, but for-profits don't have that type of account. They don't have contributions. So this would really be shown, what we recommend is showing it as other income on your income statement and, and labeling it as um, PPP funds received or some other similar name to call out that this was a special one-time other income that was received. Perfect. Thank you for explaining that to all of us. What about next? Do you want to talk about the leases? I know one of the more popular methods of relief during this pandemic has been landlords delaying or forgiving rent payments required under a lease agreement. Kaylee, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that and maybe how to account for some of these scenarios? Yeah, you got it. So um, as Rosie mentioned, lease modifications have been popular too. I, I recall hearing quite a bit about this on the news when, this, when COVID-19 really kind of first came onto the scene. You don't hear about it as much. However, people are still probably dealing with the lasting impact of of any lease modifications that have been made. And one thing I'll stipulate here is there is a new lease accounting standard. It's very large and it is a substantial change. That could be its own podcast episode in and of itself. We're not going to go down that path. Um, things to know is that lease standard got deferred, so you're not required to implement it until for most people the year 2022. So the assumption I'm going to talk through is that that your organization has not implemented this new lease standard yet. And so when we talk about leases, there's really two different scenarios. Like Ashley mentioned, there's deferral and then there's forgiveness. And deferral is when you're, let's say you're a business and you rent your office space. If your landlord says, you know what, Ashley, you don't have to pay March and April's rent right now, but you do have to pay it by the end of 2020. That's a deferral. You still owe that money. You just don't have to pay it in accordance with when you originally had to. What you would do in that scenario is continue to record the rent expense and then increase the liability. So just your normal accounts payable is where you would reflect that you have not paid your landlord for March and April yet, and you're still reporting the expense monthly, just as you would if you had been paying it. And then eventually when you do make that payment, you will reflect that decrease in that accounts payable balance. If you are the landlord, it would be a similar situation. You're still going to record the rental income that you're earning, and you're going to increase the accounts receivable from that tenant. However, one thing you'll want to keep in mind, and, and I'm sure we haven't heard the last bit yet, uh, is you know some companies aren't surviving this whole thing. And so if you're a landlord and you have tenants and there's a question as to whether that business is going to keep going, you may need to evaluate that receivable balance from that tenant as to whether you are actually even going to collect it. And so that would just be something to keep in mind there. So then the other situation is when rent is forgiven. So back to our original uh, example, um, Ashley is, is our tenant and the landlord says, you know what, don't worry about April and May, you don't have to pay it at all. That's rent forgiveness and there's 
um, two different ways to go about it. These are kind of nuanced, um, so I'll do my best to explain. But again, if you have questions, feel free to reach out. So the first is recognizing something called contingent rent, which is similar to an income account. That's how the account's going to be set up in your chart of accounts. Um, and it would probably be a new account that most people would have to create. And so what would happen is if you are, um, were the tenant, so Ashley is the tenant and we have forgiven her April and May rent, she can still record April and May rent expense, but then she can record contingent rent, which offsets that expense. And so ultimately has a net zero impact on her profit or loss for the period. The other option is to treat that forgiveness as a lease modification. And so what you would do is then um, you think about the remainder of the lease term and how much time you have left on it. You would want to re-amortize that lease um, to reflect that benefit of that rent that was forgiven. And so an example would be if a uh, business receives one month forgiveness for a $500 lease payment, and the entity has five months left on their lease, they would then continue to pay the $500 for the months where um, it was not forgiven. And then each of those months, they would also recognize $100 profit for that one month of forgiveness that had been given. And so really then that would be a net $400 rent expense flowing through their income statement for each of those five months left on that lease. Thank you, Kaylee. Um, it can be a little bit confusing, but like you said, mm -hmm. it's hard to explain over this, but we just want to get the information out. So please feel free to contact Kaylee or anybody in our accounting department. We, we would be glad to help you with and explain any of this for you. Mm -hmm. All right, now we're going to cover modified employee benefits and termination benefits. The Families First Coronavirus Response Act brought about many changes for organizations which were required to be implemented by April 2nd, 2020. One of the changes was a requirement to establish an emergency two-week paid sick leave for employees. Kaylee, do you want to talk to us about whether we need to account for this sick leave? Yeah, yep. And so I'll just preface this section like I think I promised the others. Sometimes this stuff can get a little complicated, a little technical, a little complex. Um, however, I'll kind of try to walk through it as, as high level as I can. And then again, just echoing what Ashley just said, you know, do not hesitate to reach out if there are any questions. So most of our listeners that own a business are probably familiar with compensated absence liabilities or accrued PTO, the va va vacation that your employees are earning that you will pay out, um, that they're allowed to roll over year over year. Um, so sick pay can be, sim be treated similarly to that, um, but it depends on a couple things. And so in terms of sick pay, the liability, a liability only needs to be recorded if the sick pay can be carried over. So the balance can be rolled forward to the next year and the next year, any amount that's unused, or if those benefits need to be paid out upon termination. And that's um, called if the benefits were vesting, they vest. And in most cases, for most companies or organizations I work with, uh, sick pay benefits rarely ever meet both of that, that criteria. It's typically a use it or lose it situation and, and no one's paying it out upon um, the departure of an employee. So when that is the case, 
um, then that sick pay would just be expensed as the employee uses it. And if it does vest, if it's allowed to um, be paid out upon termination, or you can roll that balance over year over year, then you would just report it just like accrued PTO. Um, so a little bit of evaluation there in terms of the sick pay and whether it meets those two criteria uh, in terms of when you would actually record the expense related to that. Okay, and let's get this wrapped up a little bit. Uh, lastly, can you talk about the termination benefits? Yes. And so this is something newer, I think, that's on people's radar and, and, and businesses often do offer termination benefits, but really it's become relevant um, these last few months as organizations have to think through different different things and had to make difficult choices with their employees. And so one situation um, I will talk through is when a company offers benefits to employees who are going to voluntarily terminate their employment. And, and some larger employers may do that. You know, we need 50 people to resign in the next six months. Um, is there anyone that's willing to do that? If, if they will do that, we will pay you $10,000 termination bonus um, at the end of at, when you do depart from the company. And so if a company does offer that, how that would be accounted for is you would record the liability on your balance sheet, so the, the um, amount that you owe someone, and the corresponding expense when an employee accepts your offer. So an example would be if an employee accepts an offer on August 1st to voluntarily terminate their employment on January 31st of the following year, so six months from then, and they're going to receive a $10,000 termination benefit, then the expense related to that termination benefit is going to be recognized over the six-month service um, that the employer is required to work to earn the benefit. And, and, and again, the important piece of information there was that August 1st was the date that the employee accepted the offer. And so that is then why we would record it. If that employee um, accepted the offer on August 1st and their August 31st was going to be their last day, so just within the one month, Time frame, then that $10,000 would just be recognized all in the month of August. In terms of involuntary termination, so when an employee has to be laid off or they're let go, um, some companies may have a planner policy in place that upfront communicates to employees what termina termination benefits they may offer. And so examples could be, and these are very common examples, Salary continuation, severance benefits, uh, counseling, um, continuation of health, disability, life insurance. Um, those are all pretty common. Some companies disclose this up front. Some companies have it um, where it's more of a one-off situation. When these benefits are communicated in advance via an employee handbook or employee manual, a liability would be recorded on your balance sheet when it becomes probable that you'll have to pay this amount out and you can reasonably estimate the amount. And so what that means is until we know that we're going to let someone go, we would not record this liability because it would not be probable that we're going to have to pay it out until we've made the decision of, of who is going to be let go and how much we are going to have to pay them out in these termination benefits. 
if determination benefits are a one-time scenario, maybe because of COVID, companies have had to get creative with what, what benefits they're going to offer to people. And there are no plans to provide this benefit in the future. This is truly just one time. Uh, the liability and expense would be recorded when that benefit is communicated to the employees. So um, we didn't have anything in our employee handbook before about termination benefits, but because of COVID, we've had to let five people go. We've decided that we're going to give each of these five people two weeks severance pay. When we communicate that to those five people, that would be the time that we would then record the liability on our balance sheet, reflecting that we do owe them this money and then the expense for those termination benefits. Again, lots of nuance here. You could really dive in deep and you know, the, it's great that companies have the flexibility to be creative in offering benefits during this time. And they, and they want to help those people um, get back up on their feet after they're let go. The more creative someone gets, the more complicated the accounting gets. And, and that's okay. Um, again, we're, we are here to help you evaluate your specific set of circumstances to make sure you get that recorded correctly. Yeah, thanks, Kaylee, for explaining all this. I know there, there are a lot of questions out there, and they, we might even brought up more questions that people may have. So, again, like Kaylee said, and I've said previously, please contact us with any um, questions that you may have or that you think of after this episode. Um, but again, thank you all for tuning in. Hopefully it has been helpful in terms of evaluating the unique accounting situations that may have resulted from COVID. So again, thank you, Kaylee. Yeah, yep, glad to do it. And just our final push, if you have questions, don't hesitate. My contact information is on the website. We, always, we can put it out in the show notes with this episode. I'm, I'm happy to help um, walk anyone through any of these situations. Perfect. Well, thanks, guys. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please visit our website at www.blandcpa.com and leave us a note. Or you can head over, rate and review us on whichever app that you listen to the podcast on. We truly appreciate it. Yeah. So, friends, with that, be informed. Be inspired. And be awesome. Bye, guys. <laughs> a Parkville Media Production.